High Vibe Nation is live. Welcome to the High Vibe Nation, where we have set out to raise the vibration of every human being on the planet. Your hosts on this journey are Sherry Gideon. So let's join them now in their current interview with a high vibing individual. This gentleman right here is one of the most amazing people you've ever met. Please make sure that you give him some love. Alex Stern right here. We walk around all day long seeing services and stuff out there and saying that could be done better. And what are you going to do in your business to delight your customers or create a wow moment? And I just had the pleasure of listening to Alex Stern on stage, and my mind is absolutely blown. Now, Alec is amazing because he has helped transform my business. Go out as early as you can. Don't be in stealth mode and like keep the secret. You want to get out there, share the idea, and get feedback. When you, when you achieve something, like you've just had an amazing call with a potential investor, you know, pick up the phone and call another one. Don't start celebrating. Wow. And then go call another one. Because the energy that you're feeling from that moment is going to be heard right through the phone or when you go, you know, go see them face to face. Right? Do it. Hello and welcome to the High Vibe Nation, the number one positive media show for focused on raising the vibe of the planet, a space for you to remember the power within you. It's a love revolution. I'm your host, Sherry Gideons, and today I have an incredible guest on the show. His name is Alex Stern. He's an entrepreneur, speaker, mentor, and investor known as America's startup success expert for performing hundreds of keynote speeches worldwide and for his popular sessions at top conferences like Secret Knock, CEO Space International, City Summit, Power Team International, and Habitude Warrior. He's been a co-founder or founding team member of eight startups with five exits, two IPOs and three acquisitions a primary member of Constant Contact's founding team. Alec was one of the original three who started the company in an attic. Alec was with the company for 18 years from startup to IPO to a $1.1 billion acquisition. Alec was selected to the Influence 100 Authority list by Influence Magazine and was recognized as the world's authority for entrepreneurship by the credible source. In 2020, Alec was a two-time Visionary Award winner at top conferences for his success as entrepreneur and for his working, helping startups and entrepreneurs. Let's welcome Alec Stern. Thank you for that intro. Oh, you bet. So, so happy, happy to have you. Been wanting to do this for some time now. 
I know it's been uh, it's been a while, but uh, you know, I guess all that uh, all that planning has now paid off. So, absolutely. So, I always start out the show with asking a question: What does it mean to be high vibe to you? Wow. Uh, let's see. High vibe. So, when I think of uh, if I break down that the phrase, um, you know, uh, uh, I mean, I just I, for for me, it's um, it's. The vib- I think of vibration. I'm a drummer, so I think of vibration, um, and so anything that that vi- anything vibrating. So if, so mm-hmm. so it's a feeling. Uh, it's an emotion. I want to go listen to music. I feel I feel the beat, you know, of the of the of the drums in my you know in, in my heart, in my chest. So so I would say just operating at a very high high frequency, high vib- vibration level. Uh, if I were to get real technical with it, I would say like the quantum frequency coding and. And you know, sort of from the empaths out there to uh, to how to how to uh, oper- operate at that that higher level. Ooh, I love that. That's wonderful, and that really touches my heart too. Because in you know my own personal growth, the more aware I am of how that works inside of me, the the more amazing experiences and the more amazing people show up that vibrate at that level in my own life. So I love that answer. Uh, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So give us some history about Alex Stern and what he's known for in the world. Yeah, so, so, uh, uh, wow, let's see. Um, you know, just, just the fact that, that I've been on the founding team or co founder of eight companies, uh, had five exits so far. Uh, the others still, there's hope, there's time, um, but two IPOs and three acquisitions and, and uh, just, just really, uh, you know, f- for me, it's making a difference in the world. And so, so I'm very passionate about startups, small business entrepreneurs, and and I've had a few businesses, um, you know, that that, uh, that help that audience succeed. And and so it's there. Uh, so small businesses in my DNA. I try to shop local or localer if it's the the main street in any town that I'm visiting or or where I live. And uh, and I'm certain, certainly at the, in today's day and age, it just requires all of us to, to, to participate and help. Uh, big box will always survive and will will always be there. But the the local Main Street businesses really need our help. Um, and so so I've always tried to do what I can to help them in a variety of different ways with different products and, and sort of services to uh, to just help them succeed. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Tell us the story behind constant contact. You start, I mean, I have constant contact today. So, I mean, and what's so funny is, so I'm in, you know, my late fifties. And so I remember when constant contact got its start. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So, uh, I mean, we were an eight, uh, we were an overnight success in 18 years. I I like to say, (laughs) Um, and so uh, that was what, 23 years ago. Uh, roughly, uh, so the end of um, 1997, beginning of 1998 was when we started. And so, um, when you think about at that time what was going on, uh, the enterprise, uh, the enterprise businesses, Amazon and others, they had marketing resources, they had technical resources, they had marketing agencies, they had enterprise tools to allow them to market to their to their customers. And so, when you go down on Main Street. Uh, the small businesses, or I like to say V, as a V in small business, a very small business. So you know, the ten employees or less, and you know, there really there wasn't anything on the front end with digital marketing to help them 
And so the original premise was how do we level the playing field for small businesses against those big competitors? And so that was kind of that original vision, if you will. And, and then the mission was to provide a suite, a suite of marketing tools, starting with email marketing to those small businesses to help them succeed. Wow, that's pretty awesome. You know, it's funny because I have a degree in technology. And I remember when I got my degree in technology, it was when mobile was really getting its start. And I created this little small business called Mobile Market Advertising. And I was building little mini mobile websites. Wow. And, and at the time, I mean, I had myself, I created myself a portfolio with, you know, the laminated pictures and the whole shooting match. And I was cold calling door to door to, you know, businesses in the local area. And it was so funny because I was, you know, touting these little mobile, mobile mini market websites. And I was telling people, you know, people are going to be shopping online. And do you think people were ready for that at the time? They were like, no, I'm not investing my money. But then, but then what happened was it was the QR codes and you start right. seeing the QR codes at, you know, all your um, amusement parks and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just, uh, so I don't know how far back would the mobile, mobile phone uh, <laughs> industry that you went back to, but certainly the portable phones versus the mm -hmm. ones that were attached to your car or were in a bag or, yep. you know, but yeah, so so and I did, did a little bit of uh, work back then uh, on some of the stuff with with mobile and and it was just funny that you know the you know kind of the all the things that a business wanted you know there were, the technology allowed them to get more of it uh, and 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 stay top of mind and in touch with their customers a lot easier than the, than maybe how we did it before and you know in the old days they would take out a you know a yellow page ad or they would hang a you know, uh, hang out the signage out in front of their, their place or they do postcards and leaflets and flyers and, you know, maybe some direct mail. And um, but but the, the advent of digital uh, and uh, and having it having it on all of devices. Right. So mobile or your computer and to your inbox and uh, and so forth. It was interesting to see how that evolved. And, you know, when, when Constant Contact started, we were one of the first two software as a service SaaS. Uh, where mm -hmm. it's rented software, we were one of the first two ever. You know, wow. we were on the IBM platform, and they did a case study on us because it just didn't exist. You know, you you everything you bought, you acquired it, and you know, you used it yourself, and 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 so it allowed the opportunity for 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 so many more uh, uh, te uh, technological solutions and software and applications and things where you create it once and share it many. Mm -hmm. And you just have to update it once and everyone gets the, the newer features and so forth. And so it so it did did um, it did help uh, with regard to the flywheel of the business really going because because we could get it out there and, and sort of in mass, if you will. And then it was just a question of uh, getting uh, the take up rate of, of folks to use the, the applications. And, and it was interesting because I did some stuff on the back end. When when e-commerce first came around, uh, I was working on uh, it was catalogs on the internet, right? Mm -hmm. So you just took your catalog and of whatever that was and threw it up uh, on the internet before you know sort of true e-commerce sort of, uh, came out and and where many businesses could just do things online. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, I'm a believer that we create our own reality, and obviously, I'm a thought leader, so very much into thinking and how to think what was going on in your own mind and being inside you 
in which you realized this was going to be phenomenal? Yeah. So, so, you know, there were, there were three of us in the attic. There's uh, uh, two other folks, uh, original technical founder. We had a software architect and myself on the, uh, uh, I like to say me, myself and I, the three of us on the business development, marketing and in uh, uh, sales side of things. But, but so the, so, uh, I had done some other things with with uh, small business. My co- co-founder, actually, both uh, had done some stuff with uh, small business. One in particular, the original technical founder, had done a lot, and so we were really passionate about helping small businesses. And there was nothing, really, nothing on the on the front end to help them with regard to marketing. And 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 so you know, all the things that we would ask them, what 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 would success look like for you? Uh, you know, in, in this business, where, where do you see it going in three to five years? What do you have that you want more of? What don't you have that you wish you had? And, and so when we get answers like want to stay top of mind, want to drive my customers back, want more revenue, want new customers or new prospects, you know, all those, all those things. And then, then we knew if we could, if we could, uh, and we'd ask if we could provide you something that's easy to use, self-service, um, that all you had to worry about was what you wanted to say, who you wanted to send it to and when, and you didn't have to worry about technology or, or you know, anything under the covers to make it look good, but it, but it could look as good as anything Amazon and others are doing. Would that be of interest to you? And of course they all said yes, you know, and so, so then we knew we were onto something. And so, um, you know, it was then a, then a question on execution, right. And just really being able to, to deliver on, on something and, I think that the things that a lot of businesses that I and I hear startups today and even small businesses in general, and you know, if they they have an idea, they want to start. A, put, I'm going to put it in quotes. Stay in stealth mode, um, and so they don't they don't want to necessarily get out the idea out there. They're afraid someone's going to take the idea, and you know, and, and just are worried, right? So I just you know I, I you don't have to give away the secret sauce, but you've got to get out there and you got to get in front of your target market. Mm-hmm. So before we even had a finished product, we had we had a PowerPoint. You know, we sort of just talked to the idea. You know, it was getting out in front of small businesses and telling them what we were working on to see see them get wide eyed with, "Wow, if you made this available to me, this would be great. I could really use it." And so, so, so we knew we were onto something, and we knew that this could be something big because our target market was excited for it. So it didn't matter what other people said. If if I had a dollar for every no that we got from investors and you know banks for loans and all all different folks, a lot of no's. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so so if I had a dollar for every no, I, I would have could have retired. Um, but but we knew we we're onto something because our target market said we were. And so then it was that gave us the you know kind of the you know the the, the drive to want to keep going to bring this to market and and get it in the hands of small businesses. And then it was a question of how do you scale it and some other things as, as we went, uh, which we've, we certainly had figured out. But, but the, the key thing was to get, get out there early. It, w- it wasn't, it wasn't um, you know, finished. It, it had bugs. It, you know, it, uh, it would break. Uh, but, but we were onto something, and, and we certainly got the feedback of those early customers to tell us so. Yeah, well, it sounds like what you really did was your homework because it sounds like you defined what the problem was first and then you created your business constant contact around that. Yeah, so we, we knew we, we knew initially, uh, you know, email marketing was where we were going to we we're going to focus and, and digital marketing where you could, you know, send out communications through email and to the inbox and um, 
Uh, there were there were some challenges around, around that, and and I would just say we like any other startup. You know, I love to ask the question. Um, you know, how many you know of, of startups? How many of you actually know the one core thing? What's the one core thing you're going to focus on uh, initially? And if you have success with that, then you're going to get feedback. You're going to get case studies. You're going to get revenue. Revenue allows you to hire others. You know, build build more software and all kinds of things, right? So, mm-hmm. so what's the one core thing? And and not many hands go up. You know, people are working on trying to figure out. That's fine. But most of us, including we, we suffer from this too. I call it the bicycle wheel syndrome. So imagine if you had a bicycle wheel and every spoke on the wheel was another idea, right? We could fill every spoke on a wheel because we were that's all the stuff we wanted to do to help our target market. Every day we had another idea. This is what we're going to do to help the target market. And this is going to be great for the target market. We could do this and we do that. The bottom line is you got to pick what's, what's that one spoke? What's the, the bullseye on the dartboard? What's that one thing you're going to start with? And you bring that to market and you have some success, take all your other ideas and all those other spokes and whatnot, put them up on a shelf and wait. And, and then you can you can then see, uh, you know, see see what, what you bring in next, which could be something that's adjacent or complementary to what you do first versus something that's completely, uh, uh, you know, potentially on another another, you know, that's on, on another wheel, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you think of like a Nike, right? Nike had had sneakers. So they you know, started with basketball and then went into tennis and they went into running and they went into, right? So complimentary, right? It's all sneakers. Mm-hmm. But then, then you'd say, well, how does golf bags, golf balls, golf clubs, golf clothing, hats, you know, how does that relate? It doesn't. You know, they, they, it's basically like starting a new business. So I would always say to somebody, what, you know, find something that's adjacent. If you're on a highway and you put the bumpers up of the lane you're in, you know, kind of like the uh, if you're playing uh, pool or if you're bowling as a kid, right? To put the, the guardrails up. What yeah. are the guardrails are up for that one lane you're on for your core idea, and then you widen it to what what's in the lane next next on either side, to where you can add in other things that are complementary, and and then you start to grow the business from there. So so we had to figure out our one core thing, and that was email marketing. Mm-hmm. And today, that's you know 23 or so years later, it's still the anchor product of constant contact, although there is a suite of, you know, many products that are wrapped around that to help small businesses. Yeah, I love that. We, you know, I was in the, I'm a retired pro bodybuilder. And so we owned health clubs. We were in the health club business for a lot of years. And of course we came up all through the nineties and two thousands and obviously trying to figure out that same game. Cause you know, we had a dues base and we were trying to like get this all in one to you know, stream out to our all of our members, a regular email, a regular newsletter, update on dues, all of that. And so it wasn't always fun. And there wasn't at the time, there was just, you know, certain ones that you could use that. So when constant contact came out, I remember when I was, I had that over on the side and I was using the list from the gym, you know, to start sending all that out. So it was very beneficial. Yeah, and I love that, and uh, it's uh, you know it's just great to see the sort of the impact that we could have on you know million plus small businesses and around the world, and yep. and really just help them you know sort of achieve what they were looking for with regard to their goals or their their vision and and what they, those wants that that I I, I led with uh, earlier by asking what are you looking for, and mm-hmm. it was great to be able to let them stay top of mind in front of their current customers. 
you know, your current customer is your best prospect. They're going to tell others and they'll drive those to as a trusted sort of source saying, hey, you should go check out this this gym that, that Sherry, Sherry, you know, the, the program that Sherry has for for bodybuilding. And, mm-hmm. you know, and so so it's from a trusted source to someone else. And, you know, and so you don't have a lot of cost of acquisition when somebody goes and tells someone else. And of course, you drive them in and they they potentially acquire a product or service and. And then, so you're getting more revenue, you're getting case studies and success, you're getting feed, you know, success stories, you're getting feedback, you're getting a lot of things that, you know, from your current target customer. And then, of course, you know, all those people in this sphere of influence that they have. Mm-hmm. So we have a question here from Lisa Patrick. She says, what's your opinion of looking at different markets, verticals to interrupt your current vertical? Okay, so so is expansion beyond the first vertical, if I if I kind of understand that correctly, um, and so so uh, I would say that the product, so 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 the, so the product or the service that you're offering, and if it's if it's applying into one vertical, there has to be complementary sort of verticals to what you're doing with minimal change. You know, if it's five percent, ten percent no more than 20% where you may adjust something to your verbiage or, or if it's templates that you're offering uh, for somebody to use in a certain vertical, you could be moving to another vertical, you know, very, very seamlessly and easy uh, as long as it's sort of, it, it's adjacent to the one you start with. And, uh, and I would, I would say all day long. Right. So, so I'll give you an example of constant contact. We first thought we're, you know, B to B to C, right. So we would work with businesses who are, uh, uh, Natalie saying that. Hello, Natalie. One of my faves as well. Yes. Uh, everyone's showing the love. I love it. Um, so, so the the uh, so the so this was like small businesses that were working with with their customers or, or prospects and mostly customers. And so, so the vertical didn't matter. We just had to. Yeah, you know, we had to. Uh, we had templates. We had to have templates that would apply or fit. For other verticals right so we had the restaurant templates real estate templates legal templates you know we had all kinds of things but even broader than that we said let's go even further and say okay now what about you know so that's more b to c what about b to b businesses communicating with other businesses and they didn't need promotional templates or buy nows or open house templates they needed things like news alerts you know um, updates uh, press release template and so forth and so so we provided just just same product, but just created a series of templates that applied there. And then why stop there? We said, what about nonprofits and associations? Well, what do they need? They need, you know, uh, uh, they would need to raise their voice. They need to raise funds and they need to raise, raise awareness. So we need event templates. We need donation templates. You know, we need volunteer templates. And and so so it was the same product with minimal, minimal, minimal uh, sort of tweaking uh, with the templates. So when when that vertical customer showed up they'd say oh they work with people like me mm-hmm. they didn't have to think about like uh you know picking a, a restaurant template and take out take out the you know the, the the food banner across the top and put their own like we we thought through that to give them a sort of a heads up to and a leg up if you will for 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 ease of use you know because we knew their we knew their um you know their we, we we knew their vertical if you will and and had had an offering for them so i would say all day long Go, you know, um, nail, you know, nail your first vertical and find another one that's adjacent. And 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 you'll also find that there's a channel strategy in this to get to those partners where you can go through an intermediary who has a lot of your target market 
where they're hanging out and you just need to get to them to expose you to your target customer. Yeah. So let's use that word channel for a second for our audience members who don't know what the word channel means. Can you explain that a little deeper? Yeah. So, so in selling, in the selling scenario, uh, there's direct selling, right? So, so mm-hmm. I'm going to come to you, Sharon, I'm going to, uh, tell you about my products and services and see if you'll buy. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's a one-to-one relationship and it's direct. Yeah. A channel is really, and when you think channel, that's strategic partner, that's affiliates, that's alliances, that's, that's anyone that's the, where there's one to many. Mm-hmm. Right. So for example, uh, I think it was in the case of Lisa, uh, let's just say Lisa's first vertical is restaurant. Right. Nice. So, so, so in, in the scenario, the, in that scenario, there's the restaurant associations. There are there are other complementary products and services like the point of sale systems that that are selling into restaurants. There's all the food service companies like Cisco and U.S. Foods that are selling into restaurants. Um, there's local trusted resources like small business consultants, PR firms, web developers that are working specifically with restaurants to help them. Uh, you know, with with their marketing and communications and other things. So, so there's a lot of resources that are working with restaurants, mm-hmm. as an example, local, regional, national, even international. And so, so you could those could all potentially be channel partners uh, of yours, where it's one to many. Where if you work with them and they and you, and you they put you in their tool bag of product and service, then they're going to go bring that to that to your target market. So you don't have to go door to door calling on all of the restaurants, you can be working with someone else who has the relationship or has influence or is a trusted resource to the, to your target market. And you can work through them as an intermediary to get exposed, uh, referred, uh, maybe integrated or bundled in, you know, depending on who the partner is, there's a lot of options to how you might work with someone like that, but it gets you the leverage. Mm-hmm. And so, so the last thing I would say is that, if somebody asks you the question, how are you going to scale your business, right? The answer is not hire another, hire a hundred salespeople, right? We'll go call on all those restaurants around the country, door to door, you know, in every major city. And we're going to have a hundred salespeople doing it. If you have a, a you know, $10,000 or more offering, realistically, a hundred thousand dollar or more offering, sure. Direct selling enterprise. Yes. Makes total sense. It's a more of a relationship sell. But that may not match, you know, hundred thousand dollar product to a small business on Main Street, and like say we can't afford it, you know. So odds are you have a less expensive offering, and so going door to door is going to be hard to make up the numbers needed to support, you know, a hundred new salespeople. And so the answer is channels in most cases. The scale answer, the opportunity to scale answer is there. And if someone says to you, you know, they're interested in investing, they're not going to want to hear the higher hundred sales people as the answer. They're going to want to hear that you you know of another way to scale the business. So I'll just tell you one other thing about constant contact. So when we started, I, I went, out, went out and found four customers so we can get a feedback and brutal honest feedback. Uh, and we would, you know, be able to get case studies uh, through them and, and, and learn from that experience with those four. And then we were 100 percent channels for the longest time mm-hmm. and it still became a major part of the business. And in fact, when the company sold, there were over 8,000 channel partners. Okay. And that's a very conservative number. So the key thing was that we knew to scale the business, we had to do channels. And that shows directionally how you could succeed. So, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, (laughs) (laughs) There you go. 
That's it. And so, so, uh, so, so we've just given you the fastball over the corner. Uh, yeah. that's, what, that's what Joe's saying to Lisa. But yeah, so let me ask you a question around what you just shared. So what would be the most common mistakes that people make or need to avoid in, in that sort of situation? You know, what's with, the one way? With regard to, to selling selling with channels? Yeah. Sell, sell through with channels? Right. Yeah. So, so, so this is a longer conversation, but I'll just give you a couple of things. Okay. <laughs> I, I literally have taught this over a day and this morning I taught it over a two hour period to 50 entrepreneurs in France. So, <laughs> so that, that. as if the concepts weren't hard enough, now we're going to interpret that into, yep. into another country. Uh, but so the, so the, the, the first, there's, there's two things to think about. There's the sell to and the sell through. The sell to is, is you, working with a partner or an alliance or a strategic partner, whatever that may be, uh, and bring those, bring those in, uh, into the fold as a, as a partner. And those, it's critical to, to have, uh, create a win, 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 right? So it's you, the partner and the customer. And so oftentimes one of those we leave off and that's the customer. We just negotiate with the partner and we don't really take into consideration. So to some of those things with regard to the, you know, to the customer itself. So it's really important to make sure they're in the mix. And when you're negotiating, imagine a, a three-legged stool. So there's three legs to a stool. If any one of those legs is shorter or longer, the stool is going to fall over. And so a lot of times in negotiating partnership arrangements, like uh, the give and get, you know, um, what they're going to get in return for effort. And sometimes they're like, well, you got to get a lot more money out of this partnership than you're offering. And that leg may, the leg of the partnership may be longer, the stool is going to fall over. They may say, well, we'll handle those initial calls for support and you'll, you'll pay us for that. And oftentimes they're not handling the support. They're just taking the call and feeding it back to you anyway. Um, and so the stool of the customer, they may not be you know, getting the support they need. Shorter like for the, the customer it falls over. So the sell to is really important to make sure it's creating that win, win, win. And that all the sort of the, the things are aligned amongst the, the parties. And of course, then from there, it's the sell through. So now you've signed a partnership and you've got to have some things in the mix with the partner to make sure you're, that they're, they're carrying you forward um, and, they're, and they're promoting and, and, and exposing you to the, your target customer who is their member or their customer or part of their marketplace or whatever the relationship is you know, with them. Uh, uh, the customer to them, right? So, so the sell through is really important. And the one thing we most often forget to include uh, is marketing touches, right? So you sign in a partnership, you come up with an agreement of terms and the things you're going to do together. What's that give and get? Uh, but we leave off marketing touches. And I always want to make sure every agreement has annual marketing touches included, some minimum number to include things like, you know, a press release or, a launch email or listing on the website or maybe, uh, men, you know, mentions in their, their newsletter, periodic mentions. Um, you know, you come up with some number of these sort of touches as examples that will include those but not limited to the following and you list them. Mm -hmm. and, then, and, and then it's really important to have those touches in the mix because you'll sign an agreement and then they're going to bring it over to marketing and they're going to say, hey, marketing, uh, you know, uh, uh, well, uh, here's your contact in marketing, reach out to them. So you as the partner go, contacts them and says, Hey, we're a new partner and, and we're excited to do some things with you. And, and so they'll be like, well, you know, we've got an 18 month marketing calendar full, so we'll get back to you. 
But if it's written into an agreement, then they'll find a way to include you in some of those marketing touches. Um, and so there's, there's a little bit more to it, but I think that's, you know, seems to be one of the gotchas where, mm-hmm. you know, they, you put the contract in the drawer and nothing happens and you're sort of scratching your head. Like, why do we have to wait all this time? The marketing team won't work with us. And, you know, because it's not, it's not a commitment and it's not a requirement. So it's really important. And if a partner won't do marketing touches or won't agree to it, then just say it's probably best we don't work together because, mm-hmm. or at least for now, because, because it's showing they're not committed to getting you exposed to the, to your target customer, which is their, the, the partner's customer. So. Right. Lisa wants to know basically what she says here is what's your best advice for pitching for capital investment? Sure. So, um, so my, so I, I did a blog post on this on my, uh, we'll share my, uh, my website has a blog post on finding the right investor. So, so I think that's a, that's a little bit of a longer read to, um, to, to understand this, but finding a right, the right investment, there's, so, there's a lot to this. Um, I think the first thing is, uh, uh, you've really got to do your homework because not everyone, like the minute someone hears, oh, I'm a venture capitalist. Oh, I'm an angel investor. Oh, I'm, um, you know, uh, I, I invest in a lot of things. They're like, oh, great. They're, they're, they're a prospect for me. Qualify them. You really need to understand what do they invest in? What, you know, and, and, and are they, do they do investments similar to what, what you're offering? Uh, it, do they do things that are competitive to what you're offering? I mean, you really have to sort of understand them uh, first and foremost to see if there's a fit. Now, you may know someone who's, a, sort of, for example, a venture capitalist. And the first one of the first venture capitalists that that we went to at Constant Contact was someone I knew personally, and and so you can ask for an informational session where you want to pitch the business and get their feedback. So then it takes away the the stress of looking at it as an investment. Mm-hmm. Now, so look, you know, you're, you you look at you look at and you hear pitches all day long. I would love to share with you what we're doing and get your feedback. Could, could we do that? Sure. We'll book, we'll book, we'll book extra time as opposed to the typical pitch. Right. So there's no pressure. Um, I, I, and so it was go in and get pitching to get the feedback. So you can do that with several people. If I had said to this person who may or may not be a fit, and in fact, maybe there's no alignment with a fit, you go in and you pitch them. And in the end, they're like, this is, this is great. You know, love, love, uh, love what you're doing, but it's not a fit for us. Mm-hmm. So ever invest. Right. So then you finally get to someone who, who, who may be a good investor f- for you and, and you're ready to go and pitch them. And so they'll, they'll ask you, well, have you pitched other people? Oh, yeah, we've talked to six or eight so far. Anyone investing? No. Then that puts up a big red flag for all the wrong reasons, because you've talked to somebody who's probably never would have never invested anyway. But if you go in information with an informational interview and for feedback and then then you're taking the pre- the pressure away from you know from the um from this being a, a pitch right because there there they weren't you the meeting wasn't uh, uh intended to to raise to raise uh, any to get any funds out of them mm-hmm. so picking the right investor um there's a, just a few other things i would just say real quick yeah so you've identified a firm who maybe does does stuff similar to what you're doing who's the partner within the firm who actually is the one that sat on boards and actually oversaw the investment similar to you. And you need to go through your network and LinkedIn and find the two degrees of separation from that person and have a warm uh, lead into that person versus going to some, just calling the firm cold, you know, and saying, I'd love to speak to so-and-so. We're going to have to go through several people. Analysts are going to look at your stuff first. 
you know, you may never even get to them. And so, so if you can come up at the highest levels through, through relationship, best thing ever, no, no different than when you're looking for a job, you're, you're finding someone who knows the hiring manager or the boss and, and trying to, you know, say, Hey, you know, here's the resume of a friend of mine. And, uh, or the resumes in the queue, you should really take a look at them. That has more value than just cold throwing stuff over the wall. So, so you find that partner who's, who's doing things similar to what you're doing and you get a warm lead in to see them. Uh, they're the ones who will shepherd it forward. They're the ones who will bring it to the partner meeting to say, let's invest in this one. Um, so you, you know, so you, you want it, that's where you need to be in the end. So start there. Why would take all the time to maybe get there or not? through a bunch of other people in the organization who are going to gatekeep to see if there's a fit here or not before you even get to them. So find the right partner. And the last thing I would say is timing is everything. So you need to understand, are they, are they, do they have a current fund or are they, are they, are they investing today? Do they have funds to invest today? And, and in some cases they may be at the tail end of a fund and they have, they have money, but they're not investing in new businesses. They're holding those funds for, for follow on money to existing but they're going to raise a new uh, fund and in three months they'll have money for new. So they may see you as teeing you up for a, a future fund, but if you need money today and they're not going to give you money in six months, cause that's just where they are in their cycle. Good to know. Mm-hmm. If you don't need it so much today, you can at least get in the queue, talk to them and maybe start, start warming up the relationship at the, for that, the time you'd be in the queue for when they actually have money to, allocate to to your business so so know the timing of the firm i've I've just been in situations this is all from my own learnings of going in all excited find the right partner get warm lead in and then give them the pitch love it we we're done we've closed out our last fund and we're not going to start a fundraising for our new fund and six months from now to nine months from now we could certainly talk again mm-hmm. and we needed the money like yesterday so so you you uh you, you learn these things and just if you go to uh, my website, which we'll, you, I know you're, you'll share with the group, yeah, uh, the blog post is uh, uh, on uh, finding the right investor, and it gives you a little bit more detail to some of what I just said. And uh, so it's just it's you just got to be smart about the process, you know, smart process. There it is, uh, and then there's the blog post is about finding the right investor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that I know that lingo well. My husband's been in the venture capital business for over 35 years, and they have two funds going right now. Actually, they they have one that's they're trying to finalize, and then the other one they just started out with a whole stem cell research company with one of the most well-known um, stem cell research doctors in the world from India. So, wow. yeah, I know that whole thing <laughs> him very well, and listening to him talk about that. So. Yeah. It's a it's an art and a science to 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 be successful in 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 landing funding from from whether it be an angel investor you know there's friends and family angel investor venture angel investment venture even lo- loans from banks there's there's a lot of opportunity and it's just being smart about the process yeah. yeah absolutely so with today's pandemic and all of the uncertainty going on with different people there's so many new people that want to start businesses and what would you say to someone who's looking to create a startup and 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 would like to create a business just in general yeah so i've uh, so I set a goal to speak to a million people during during uh, the last ten months, and I'm getting close to that. I also have spoken to to thousands of, of folks that have new, you know. So, do you have an idea you want to bring forward, or do you have something you want to scale it? And so, um, I, I have to step back on that question just for a second. And, and usually, I would ask show of hands. 
you know, how many people, um, you know, uh, raise your hand if you think you're an innovator. And I typically at conferences and, and some Zooms where I can see everyone's hands, I would get something, you know, maybe 10 to 20 percent would raise their hand to say I'm an innovator. Mm -hmm. I'm like, how many of you on any day, week or month uh, experience a product or service and think, wow, that could have been done better. If the product had these features, if the service was delivered this way or, or you added this into the mix, it would be better. How many have that experience? And 100% of the hands go up. So the only difference between being an innovator and someone with an idea uh, uh, you know, through through the sort of the product or, or, or product or service experience I just mentioned is is you just have to do something with it. So so we all have you know some idea. Eighty five percent. These are my stats, but roughly eighty five percent of all businesses are existing products or services that someone's coming out to execute better on, on a better offering. Mm -hmm. You know, that maybe someone just sitting around a little too long or uh, resting on their laurels of their success from the past and just haven't really innovated or or made changes. And there's large large billion dollar markets that can 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 be disrupted so there's existing products or services that you know someone can come in and and do something more innovative and 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 execute on it better and 15 percent is something brand new where it wasn't done before and constant contact certainly was was an example of that airbnb uber google facebook etc so 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 uh Everyone, ha everyone has ideas, and it's just a question of how frequent. I, I see seem to find them almost every day where, wow, that could have been done better and, and have been successful in bringing several products as of late to market in existing uh, markets as, as we're talking. So, so the, the, now you have this idea or you're interested in something, noodle on it for a little bit, kind of work through it, see what's out there and who, who, who else is doing something maybe complementary, similar, maybe competitive. And then, and then get to who's your target market, really understand who that is and go talk to them. You know, as, as I mentioned earlier, bring whatever that idea is forward. It doesn't have to be finished. You, you know, if it's a physical product, you can, you know, you can certainly 3D print something and, and be able to, you know, to, to, um, to just take that, you know, sort of create a sample of that and, and to bring it, you know, to bring that out and, and to, to get feedback. And if it's a service, you can do the same. And so, so get out and you're, and so the, the, the target market that you're, that you're aiming to work with is going to tell you if you're onto something. And if you bring it to friends and other people that, you know, you know, you might find someone like, I love that idea. I've thought about something similar. I'd love to work with you on it. So you mm -hmm. can get other rally, other people around to come, come join the, join the band to, uh, to help you with the idea. And so, so, so as much as, you know, people ask me, do you think I have a good idea? I'm like, I don't know. Have you asked your target market? Like I could give you my opinion, but I'm not your target market or, or you go ask them, you know, let them tell you. And so, so I'm just a real proponent of as early as possible, get out, take that product or idea, uh, you know, product service or, or, you know, and your idea forward and, and, and get going. It's go time. There's, there's no reason to wait now more than ever. Uh, today it's easier to get to your, to your target market. Uh, some people are have a little more time on their hands, so so it's very easy to through directly who you know, and then indirectly through through your two degrees of separation, you will get to your target market or that strategic partner or that possible mentor or someone who knows your space, uh, and they're going to help you. Uh, there's also another blog post on my alexspeaks.com about. Uh, I, I said, it's not social distancing, it's not physical distancing, it's long distancing. Mm -hmm. So I wrote a whole blog post around. Now, now is your time to dig out, you know, dust off your address book, you know, dust off your Rolodex if you still have one, 
it could be, you know, we all have them in our phones, but, but go back in time. Who are your professors that you liked your, your mentors that you might've worked with? You had your, your strategic partners or investors from previous things and, and reach out to people and have a conversation, ask that lead with value. What are you up to? Anything I can help you with. And of course, what are they going to say after that? Well, what are you up to? What can right. I help you with? Well, as a matter of fact, I have a new idea. And, and so during the last sort of 10 months, I've reconnected with a handful of people in some very, very strategic situations for myself and a few other companies I was mentoring where there was a mashup of, of a perfect fit. So it's just really important to just, you know, kind of just even get into your network. And, and I was literally going through my phone book, starting with A, uh, and just finding someone like, wow, I haven't talked to that person in a long time. And I'm, I'm reaching out, you know, so my texting because I wasn't sure kind of if, you know, even the phone number would still work. And then others, I just picked up, the, you know, picked up the phone and called them. And so so take advantage of your sphere of influence in your network. And of course, within two degrees, you'll get to whoever you need. And people do have that extra time. And again, lead with value. Listen. So if you take the letters of the word listen and you move them around, it spells silent. So you want to be silent and listening and not worrying about what am I going to say next or how do I kick this thing off from here? Just really be present, listen, ask some questions and absorb all that they're talking about what they're involved with because you might find you can help them too. And that's just the, you know, sort of in our connect, connected world, that's what we all do. How, how can we help each other when someone has a need and, and offer some value? So, so it's really important to, to, uh, to get the idea out there and, and work through your sphere of influence and your network uh, to find others who can maybe jump in and, and help as well. That's so awesome. Danny wants to know, what kind of business are you looking to invest in? Wow. So, um, uh, so the great question, um, not presently looking at the moment. Um, this uh, I've quadrupled or whatever the number is at this point down through uh, through the last year year or two on multiple things. So I'm co-founder of five companies now, which I'm self-funding in, in four out of five, uh, and um, with with a couple of other folks each. Um, and then also I'm part of a venture fund, G20 Ventures, here on the East Coast, from so the Carolinas down to, uh, you know down the East Coast for tech investments. Um, and so sort of not really looking for, for, for anything personally myself, but if it's a tech investment on the East coast, we, we certainly can, uh, can look at that for, you know, so software oriented G the letter G 20, the number G 20 ventures, the website talks all about specifically what we look for. Um, so I'm not, I'm not really doing more than what I've signed up. So I'm in medical device, I'm in manufactured products, I'm in consumer products, I'm in cannabis and hemp, I'm in. Uh, some some other things in real estate, and so I've got quite a few things that I've um, doubled down on, and uh, so I'm not quite looking at it for anything at the moment. But but uh, you never know when that may change. So awesome. Well, with the current circumstances, what would be ways that someone like myself, a thought leader, could stand out to get more clients in this global industry? Yeah. So, so um, I think, you know, you think you're doing a great job of getting out there and getting exposed and, and, and certainly uh, you, uh, I think that the biggest thing is, you know, we're uh, there's so much opportunity to get out, to get out. And, and, and again, it's an ask, right? Yeah. So, so every time, you know, someone, uh, someone you engage with, or they, they bring you onto their show, yeah. You say, hey, do you know, do you know one or two other people that, you know, you think that, you know, my message would uh, resonate with and, 
And so I've got I've got a lot of foot soldiers, uh, uh, dear dear friends, and others that are speakers that do do a great job of, of connecting people um, and and uh, recommending me into situations or bringing things to me to uh, uh, you know to bring to bring forward. So. I know. I love Rick. Rick and I just got fin. Well, Rick, Eric, myself, and John Kovich, we've all been on Aaron Lay's summit. I did. I did. I think our last summit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, she's great. And there, uh, you just named a great group of of folks that are all consummate connectors. I've been on Rick's show and certainly on uh, open invites uh, on all of Eric's stages and, and a lot of his virtual stuff. And certainly I've gotten to know John through that as well. So all good people. Yeah, so I was talking to Eric today and he said, make sure you ask Alec to tell the story about him speaking at Harvard. <laughs> oh boy, there's there's some fun stories. We actually, so I, I speak at Harvard uh, several times a year now. Um, and in fact, for the law school, I was told I was the second business person. that I wasn't a justice, Supreme Court justice or a, a lawyer, big, big time lawyer that, that, that the, uh, the person that asked me to come and speak to the law school uh, had told me that they, there was only one other uh, business person before me. And I was like, who's that? And I, you know, just not thinking quickly. And, and they're like, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I don't mind following him and being number two uh, uh, there. But, but there, was a, uh, there was a conference that Eric and I both spoke at uh, with a couple of other speaker friends. Uh, there was a long day, all day summit. And, um, yeah, and so we just had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun speaking, and I, I uh, uh, and so I just I had a dinner with uh, actually Ona Brown, which is Les Brown's daughter, who's an amazing mm-hmm. speaker, and and Eric and, and myself. And I was just uh, so so uh, uh, one of them was saying that I I don't have I don't, I'm not going to speak for an hour. So Alec, can I I'll give you twenty more minutes. You know, you want my twenty minutes? I'm like, you're going to bequeath me your time. <laughs> and so they're like, what? Like one of them was like, what's what's that? I'm like. So I explained, you know, the bequeath, right? So, so then our waiter comes over. I'm like, um, are you familiar with the term bequeath? He's like, no. So we explained it to him. And, and so we had two wait, we had a waiter and a waitress that were helping us. And so I said, well, so, so when the waitress asks you what's bequeath, you're going to be able to explain it to her, but don't give it away until she asks you. He's like, all right. So, so he goes off and she, she comes up to the table. And so I'm like, yeah, we're just having a, a debate on, on a word. I was wondering, are you familiar with bequeath? And um, and she's like, no, I never heard about it. You're kidding. I'm like, I, you know, the other, you know, like everyone knows the word. Like, how could you not know the word? And so she goes off to ask the, the waiter, and he's like, she's like, they just asked me if I knew the word bequeath. He's like, what do you mean? Everyone knows the word. Like, how do you not know the word? <laughs> so we just had some fun with her. But I just said, okay. So tomorrow, when we're speaking at Harvard, whoever you will each put a hundred dollars in, and whoever uses the word bequeath in their talk. We, we, we owe, we each owe a hundred dollars. So deal. And we all shake hands. Right. And so we, we have a pre talk, uh, you know, all the speaker meeting. And so, so Ona, you know, um, says, well, you know, I, I don't have a full hour's worth of content, but I'm going to bequeath 20 minutes to my friend Alec for, for him to have, if, is that okay? So simultaneously <laughs> at the same time, we pull out a hundred and we just slap it in her hand and, and everyone's like, well, what just happened there? And so the, the host sort of walked away and all the speakers were like, what's the deal? Why'd you pay your money? And 
So, so we just had this whole thing going where we come up with another word that would all the speakers would get involved and whoever uses it, we'd all we'd share in the fun. So, so we just had a lot, big laugh over it and uh, on just a random word and just weaving it into a talk at a conference. So, I love that story. It's so funny because I've trained with her, with Les Brown. I trained with him in the early two thousands and then various times through the two thousands, and he always always says always have a quote or always have a word. You know that you can bring into the conversation and talk to people. And the minute you you brought up her, it was making me think immediately of when That's we had trained with him. Yeah. I if I, I I'd say one of his words is you got to be hungry. Hungry. That's right. <laughs> Which I love. Yeah. I love it. I freaking love it too. So I want to move into the conversation. You've been successful and you've been involved in all these startup companies and you've really done some incredibly successful things in your life. And we were talking about in the back room before we came live today about how I've had two near-death experiences and that you have had your own near-death experience. And what I really want to talk about now is from all of this and the near-death experience, what have you learned and and where do you think your life is moving forward knowing what you know now? Yeah, so I hate to keep uh, suggesting and go to my website, but I do have a blog post of my experience and, and all the things wrapped around it. And so, um, uh, yeah, so so my experience and I just I won't get into all the details of the experience, but, but I'll talk about sort of what it, sure. what, it, what it would really change. But but I was I was going through a routine surgery little over two years ago. Um, and, you know, they have you sign something when you're just before surgery that it says, you know, that you accept the, you know, all these things, including, you know, death. And I sort of laughed at that. I'm like, oh, who dies through routine surgery? Well, guess what? Uh, I did. <laughs> so, so the bottom line is, uh, and I, I had a full resuscitation and revival, 120% blood loss replacement and longer, longer uh, recovery than, than sort of expected. Um, and so, so, so from the moment I came out of that, what would have been a five hour surgery was nine and 24 hours later, they took, they had to move me from, uh, uh, anesthesia to an induced coma and then take me out of the coma. And, um, and so when I woke, I sort of looked around, I'm like, this doesn't feel routine. And there was, there was a much longer sort of recovery and a lot of issues, uh, around that. But what I learned from that, from the experiences, uh, and and I really write this in a lot of detail in um, in, in sort of my two year rebirth birth uh, rebirth birthday rebirth day, I guess. Uh, I like that. So October twenty third was two years. Um, so I finally just came around to write it all. But but I learned a lot of things, and I think that um, I, I don't sweat this. I never really sweated the small stuff, but I, I said that. But I actually did sweat a lot of things, a lot of the small stuff. I don't anymore. Um, I, I actually sort of did um, a little house cleaning on a lot of things in life, including some some friends that were uh, just really taking a lot. And, and I just found weren't really there when uh, when I didn't ask for anything. They couldn't really be there even to, you know, to just even check in. So I, so I sort of cleaned a little bit of house. And and so so I, I quadrupled down on a lot of things with, um, you know, with uh, with, uh, you know, just just. Uh, business and investments and and starting new things i have a new perspective on wanting to like medical device to 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 save lives and and change things for from what's out there with certain things that are used in surgeries and so i've got a great innovation think tank that we've created to 
to spin up some of those companies. And, and so for me, it's, uh, I, I, I don't take anything for granted. I've, I've changed a lot of things in my health and my wellness and, and life, uh, you know, and, um, you know, and I, I, uh, I have a, I, as Natalie Susie, who was on earlier, I, we tease that I created my holistical practice, uh, which I like to call it holistical as my word, uh, which we laugh over, but, but I, I actually, you know, started to, to take in, uh, you know, and, and meditate and do some other things to, to just get more centered and grounded and, and just really not take anything for for granted. Not a minute of. I've had a lot of life things happen to me that could have could have really brought me down. Did did temporarily, but I didn't I didn't let it stick. And so I think it just allowed me to 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 move further and uh, further in life on many fronts, and not only centered around any one thing like success in business or whatever it may be. So. And I think so much of it applies to really understanding the truth around living in the moment, being present in the moment and milking the joy out of today, milking the happiness out. About six years ago, I was bedridden with degenerative disc disease. And I'm because of my ability to be present in the moment and meditation it allows me to what I like to call, you know, receive channeled messages. And in this message, I was told that I was going to learn how to master living in the moment. Well, at the time, I'm like, what the heck? You know, <laughs> but the, I mean, seriously, fast forward six years later, you grow that muscle, just like, you know, exercising at the gym and you're getting stronger and stronger. And now when things show up in the moment that may not feel good, I'm able to now look at them as the observer and then immediately ask myself the question, what is it I really want? What I really want is more joy, more happiness, more hanging out with people like you who, you know, live in that present, fully aware of what they really want, which is what? Love, joy, happiness, good and greater good. No, I love that. And yeah, it's, uh, it, it's amazing. Uh, it, I, Part of me thinks like I wish it didn't take up a wake up call like that for me. I, luckily, I have a you know she up there wanted me to stick around for a while. I got I got more to do. So, uh, but if I you know I sort of wish that it wouldn't have taken that for for that to be my wake up call. Um, you know, didn't have to go to that level, but uh, but I'm sure grateful that I that I'm here to be able to. Uh, it, this beats the alternative, I guess I would say, <laughs> uh, that I can now you know uh, you know really sort of um, you know. Uh, fulfill uh, a lot of things in life, uh, even more so than I did before. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. Well, this hour has gone by so fast and so quick. And, you know, I'm so happy that you came on the show with me. I have really wanted to have this playful, fun time. And, and, and I really have. You've answered so many amazing questions. And so I would, I posted on the screen the various sites. I've had it scrolling across the screen about your Get Alex Pillars workbook and to text the word pillars to 59925. But why don't you go ahead and speak the different areas people can connect with you and I will post them on the screen for our podcast. Sure. Yeah. So the, the best thing is uh, alexspeaks.com is the best place to, to connect in because you can learn more about me and all the speaking and things I'm doing there, uh, mentoring and consulting. Uh, the blog posts, there's several There's several that are interesting reads of stuff that's been published in different magazines that, that I've repurposed into to sort of a blog post. There, there are not many, but there's uh, certainly we've covered three in just this conversation that, that are there. And 
Um, so that's the best. All my social channels are on alexspeaks.com where you can just click over to the different channels and not have to try to fumble around and find me on LinkedIn and Facebook and others. Uh, um, and then the, 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 aside from that, the pillars, uh, pillars workbook, um, typing the word pillars, all, uh, all caps, P-I-L-L-A-R-S to 59925 and text that in. Um, it's basically a workbook of early days lessons learned. And some of the things that that I, I've done in uh, the earlier days of, of starting some businesses that don't take a lot of money, but are things, they're thoughtful things to consider doing, you know, uh, um, and just get you thinking about what's the one core thing. And so I've mentioned a few of them uh, 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 in the talk here, but it would just give a good framework for some things to, to really think about. And, and every time that uh, I speak, people look at the pillars uh, uh, or hear the pillars and they're like, wow, I used to do that. I got off it. I got to get back on it. Or I, I, gee, that's a great idea. I hadn't thought of that. And so there's, there's usually a few good golden nuggets um, that the workbook would provide on top of, you know, just what, what else I'm involved with. So I love that. I used to have a pillars book and a platitudes book. That, you know, in oh, yeah. the moment, I would just go and open it up and it always said exactly what I needed to read back in the moment. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, okay. sometimes, you know, the reset, we, we know we're in the hamster wheel of life, you know, all day long. And and this uh, oftentimes, um, you know, especially during during the last 10 to 12 months, um, you know, it stopped working in the business, step back and work on the business and think of it strategically. And, and are you on the path? to where you want to go success wise, you know? And so when I ask somebody, you know, look at your three to five year vision or, or what you're doing today going to get you there. And Hammond and Hahn, half of them say no. So, so how do you, you know, it's now's the time to sort of think about, you know, are you just one lane away from that success path to get you where you want to go? And, and, uh, and, and just by looking at things strategically versus tactic, tac tactically, which we, uh, we tend to want to do. So. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you very much. I want to thank all of my audience members. As always, Rick Denley says, thank you, Sherry Gideons and Alex Stern. Be well. But I want to thank everyone. As always, we are on Monday evenings at five o'clock PM Mountain Standard Time. You can find us on the web at thehighvibenation.com. You can find us on Instagram at the High Vibe Nation. You can find us on Facebook at The High Vibe Nation. Thank you so much, everyone, and have an amazing rest of the week. Bye now. Thank From everybody here at The High Vibe Nation, we want to say thank you for choosing to raise your vibration. And of course, please like, share, and subscribe. If you need to find us on the web, check us out at www.thehighvibenation.com.